Hello, welcome to the Brandon Chin Show, Raw Japan, episode 282. Today, we will be speaking about environmental wellness. Uh, recently, no, today, earlier, <laughs> a couple of hours ago, I went to the mountains here in Itoshima, Fukuoka. And why? Why did I go to the mountains? I don't live in the mountains. Not yet. That's right. I was looking for a vacant lot. Uh, recently, someone, through the network I've been able to build after three years here in Itoshima, recommended me this big-ass lot. And so I went to go look at it again for like the third, fourth time because I'm just trying to build the vision. What I want to do here in Itoshima is buy a lot, uh, preferably near the mountains rather than the beach um, because climate change, tsunamis, nah. Uh, so mountains, especially if I'm able to have a spot where I can just go hiking, right, and oversee a lot of the area I live in, that'd be perfect. Um, so this person knew that, knew what I was looking for, recommended me this place. I went out and looked at it a couple of times. And today, surprisingly, I met the owner. Well, it was the mother of the owner. And I think the dude is in another place right now. But it used to be this old restaurant. And uh, they have a brick oven outside this wooden log house. It's pretty big, actually. And then next door, which is what I'm most interested in, is this huge lot. Just flat earth, which is rare if you're in the mountains, right? Uh, it's just really big. And... Uh, especially considering that we're in Japan, right? A lot of these, a lot of the lots that you'll see compared to when you look in the U.S., the price is much different, right? Uh, you'll pay like a hundred grand U.S. here for something that is very small compared to what you could get in the U.S., uh, depending on the area, of course. But um, I want to build, uh, if you've seen Dragon Ball Z and you know Capsule Corp, Bulma, and I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I want to build these dome houses, uh, mostly for myself, and so I can host some uh, cool art and music events, just out of my own curiosity and uh, passion for music, but also I'm starting to think, I'm leaning towards building something where people can come and stay, like a, uh, not just Airbnb, but a whole experience where I link you to a Japanese tour agency in this area, and so and I know people that own businesses, so it would be a whole connected uh, Japanese tour in the countryside uh, with accommodation included, which would be these dome houses in the mountain. And it's basically a wellness, it would be a wellness small resort. I don't even want to call it a resort because there's implications that come with that, but the reason I'm speaking about that today on this environmental wellness episode is because uh, the Global Wellness Institute, as I've spoken before, is putting out evidence-based research about wellness. And one of their white papers speaks about environmental wellness. So I want to read you some of these quotes from my Kindle right here uh, so that you can kind of understand where I'm coming from and why I want to build uh, a wellness 
capsule. I don't even know what, what to call it. Because when you say resort, the first thing you think of is like all-inclusive, big-ass hotel on the beach, uh, blocking you off from local communities. You don't have to leave our resort and visit those poor people. That's exactly what I imagine. And so that's not what I'm trying to... I'm trying to be integrated into the community and definitely uh, use... The network that I've been able to build so that I can support people that live here directly and give you an experience um, that makes you feel like you are actually living here while you come here. With all that being said, I'm going to start reading some of this stuff here. So uh, environmental wellness, right? Let me define that for you again so that it's clear. So... The Global Wellness Institute defines environmental wellness as, here we are, fostering positive interrelationships between planetary health and human actions, choices, and well-being, right? And again, wellness is active, so it's not just one time, right? It's multidimensional, six different uh, dimensions. And then you don't just do the thing once and then you're well. It's a continual, consistent thing. That It's a lifestyle, right? And so environmental wellness, again, fostering positive interrelationships between planetary health and human actions, choices, and well-being. And especially now, we're in this pandemic. Why do you think we're in this pandemic? It's because people were pushing too far into animal habitats. The disease jumped out of the animal bodies and flew into us. Right. So we got to I think when we come back to opening up the world, uh, a lot of people already speak. A lot of people in the travel sector are already speaking about transforming how we travel. Not like I said, not just going to hotels completely separate from the communities they're built in, uh, but instead going, first of all, traveling smaller, uh, reducing impact on that place that you visit and finding ways to actually contribute rather than just take and then peace out. And so uh, in this section about environmental wellness from the Global Wellness Institute, they speak about how, let me just pull it up real quick, how eight, up to 80 to 90% of our health outcomes depend on the external and environmental factors in our wellness ecosystem. So this is why I find it funny when people speak about crime as if it's a completely separate thing or if it's a racial thing or if it's, I don't know, based on right, ethnicity or da-da-da-da-da-da. There's so much more, right? There, you can't just take one piece of information and separate it, put it in a vacuum and erase all of the other conditions. When people grow up, in violent, uh, when people grow up with poor living conditions, people become desperate, they become violent, they do desperate things to survive, which translates into violence. And so that's a whole other conversation, but up to 80 to 90% of our health, right? If you're feeling sick and in pain, you're probably gonna try to get rid of that pain in some way. No one likes to be in pain. Uh, you can even think about a very small example. When you're angry, 
how easy is it for you to throw a ball of anger at the people you love just because you're angry, right? In some way, you just want to get it out and make them feel what you're feeling. Or if, yeah, if you're deep, because I think anger and fear come together. Usually anger is, right, shielding fear in some ways. So what I try to do is when I'm angry, I try to ask myself what I'm afraid of. And that helps me kind of get to the root of the anger and, and, and address it in a different way rather than go around and throw balls of anger at people I love. So uh, not that I don't do that from time to time. I'm human. It happens. But uh, a lot of our, how we feel and how we connect to the world is based on our environments. So if you think about that, uh, not just about the people you surround yourself, but the actual physical environment. So what they say in this white paper is that our, right here, our indoor and outdoor environments threaten our health. Uh, they just have a few sections. I'm just going to read the headlines. Buildings can spread disease. Indoor air can make us sick. Poor outdoor environments are a major health risk. And then they go into how the built environment shapes our behaviors and lifestyles. Okay, so these are these are ways that they think you can we can improve um, the environment so that we can address our wellness. Make movement the default option in our daily lives, especially in the U.S. Provide free and accessible spaces for active recreation. Okay, use nature's power to improve mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So that's a little bit. Um, vague so i'm going to read some of that so they say green spaces in contact with nature are essential for our mental emotional psychological and physical well-being positive impacts include buffering reduction of noise and air pollution especially if you're in the city increased physical activity improvements in cognitive abilities productivity attention mood and healing as well as reduction of aggression violence and negative feelings so imagine that you're in the big ass city and you're living in a cramped apartment and there's no green spaces around you you're going to get and then people are loud there's sirens all the time maybe in some areas there's gunshots you're in a constant stress that affects how you feel and then how you operate in the world right it's a it's a it's all encompassing web uh, so they go into more of that, but I'm going to continue on. So another headline, create environments that promote better sleep, rest, and stress reduction. Right? Sleep is a cornerstone of good health, yet it is constantly compromised by issues in our built environment, including artificial lighting that disrupts circadian rhythms, a lack of natural light indoors, poor temperature control, and noise pollution. When we are awake, it is often difficult to find mental respite with a constant background of artificial sounds, lights, and distractions from traffic, airplanes, and machinery, heating and cooling systems, digital displays, and electronic noise. My God, just think about it. <laughs> if you live in the city and you're just constantly bombarded by noises, lights, and screens, how are you gonna get rest? Like full rest, you might be sleeping, but it's probably shallow, or you might not be, when you wake up, you might still, uh, might feel kind of uh, uh, not rested, tired. When you, that's the worst 
feeling. I hate that feeling. Waking up like, what just happened? I spent seven to eight hours and I still feel tired. It's probably because of some of those factors that they just mentioned. So another one, another one, how you can improve the space. Design spaces that encourage pro-social behavior and a sense of community, especially here in Japan. They say loneliness and social isolation are on the rise everywhere. While social trust is on the decline in our built environment plays a major role in the fraying of communities. Across the world, neighborhoods and homes are increasingly segregated by income, class, race, and life stage, while our car-centric infrastructure has reduced public spaces and chances for spontaneous social encounters with neighbors. I've noticed that. The place I live here is an apartment, but it's only like eight families total, me being one of them. And then there are houses around us, people that have lived here for decades. And I walk around the neighborhood because there's a lot of green space around here. And I always run into neighbors and we talk, we chat. And it's like, man, you don't really get that in the U.S., at least where I lived in Florida, because everyone's in their car, first of all. And, you know, I just, it just didn't happen naturally. You're just always in your car. Now that I think about it, I, I don't remember ever like, oh, let's go on a walk. Because I didn't live in the city, right? I was, I was uh, born and raised in the suburbs. And so, you know, cars, cars. So anyway, uh, last one, they say underpin healthy behaviors with good digital infrastructure. Technology is generally no substitute for face-to-face -face social connection, time in nature and exercise and recreation in real physical spaces. But in the current crisis, it is playing an outsized role in allowing us to engage in all of these activities virtually and remotely. So they say you just have to have good internet, make sure that you're... Uh, yeah, good internet, strong internet. But again, this comes back to marginalized communities not having the ability to connect properly to the internet. And then now they're further segregated and their wellness goes down because they can't connect with people in the current circumstances. Uh, so again, okay, they had some more stuff here, but it's, this podcast is getting long. so. Uh, last one, last one. How do you change this stuff? So one of the things they say businesses are key partners in building healthy places. So uh, we need to reframe our concept of the pro professions, businesses, and industries that are part of our wellness and public health landscape. Urban planners, real estate developers, architects, designers, transportation planners in the construction and building materials industries all shape the built environment that determines our health outcomes. But we do not currently think about this field as being health-related at all. Collectively, we must shift our thinking. Buildings and infrastructure are as important as immunizations, pocket parks, paths, and plants are as beneficial as prescriptions. Friends and neighbors are more important than Fitbits. I like that because that's what I feel here in Japan, is that, um, especially with this dome house that I've been speaking about, that I've been raving about. These Dragon Ball Z houses. Uh, actually, I have a YouTube video I can show you where I'm actually in, in the house. Maybe I'll link that in the show notes. But um, basically, this it's, a, it's styrofoam. It's really strong styrofoam. And although styrofoam is bad for the environment, uh, these houses 
you're not expecting them to decompose until after like a hundred plus years. So long time, they last a long time. And while you're living in them, in the meantime, insulation is very strong. If you've lived in Japan, you know that the walls are thin, and that's to deal with the humid summers and to keep winters, um, just to keep the air flowing, right? It just works the best way. Um, but <laughs> sometimes winters, you're feeling, you're feeling like the inside is colder than outside, uh, and that's not fun. So dome house, insulation, also a little bit of sound... Uh, isolation as well and so if I'm gonna be doing music events you know I don't want this shit you know I don't want to be polluting the air with noise many other factors but again this is getting long all I have to say is that I think in Japan from antiquity people have a, a more uh, conscious uh, People act more consciously in relation to the environment when it comes to architecture. At least that's what you can see in like the top designers and stuff like that. You can see how it reflects forest, uh, water, air, mountains. It all, it, all of the elements are included in the design. But on the other hand, you also see <laughs> individually wrapped bananas and... It's just the plastic is crazy here. Plastic is crazy. Um, people leave their cars idling when they go into shops and stuff. The convenience is major here. So there's, you see both sides of it. And, uh, you know, that's a, a much larger conversation. But I do feel in more than I've seen in maybe the U.S., but another... Uh, comparable places probably Scandinavia where the environment is taken into a large is is considered largely when designing things and I think in Japan the reason why is because there's not so much land space to build on and so people have to be from back in the day if you didn't have a lot of space you just got to be careful like you only have so much land to go around so you have to be very uh, considerate on how you build your living spaces. And so this dome house is made in Japan and it served as an actual uh, evacuation space in Kumamoto when in 2016 when this big ass earthquake happened, uh, people left their square houses and went to this dome house resort because they are resistant against earthquakes. And like I said, Japan is... Um, very prone to natural disasters. So I'm not living by the beach, but even in the mountains, you get all the other stuff, right? Wind, earthquakes, rock slides. Uh, if I'm going to be anywhere near those those type of natural disasters, I want to be in something that I know could probably, probably uh, withstand those things. I know earthquakes and strong wind, dome houses are strong because they're it's rounded, right? And so all of the vibrations spread out. But rock slides, I mean, if there's a big-ass rock flying from flying off the mountain, and, I mean, it's going to break through the styrofoam. <laughs> and don't think of, like, the styrofoam boxes. It's much stronger than that. In any case, uh, thank you for listening to today, uh, today's episode. Environmental wellness. What, what, what should we call this? 
environmental wellness in Japan. Uh, think about nature. Think about environment. Ah, that's stupid. Think about, think about wellness. Think about the environment. Nah, that is just, that's just <laughs> this is how it happens. I'm just going off the red, like off the cuff. It just, you'll see the title. It's probably going to be something very bland because SEO, got to make it easy to search. Uh, in any case, uh, my hand is hurting. I spoke for 20 minutes. I didn't expect that. Thank you for listening to The Brandon Chin Show, Raw Japan, uh, episode 282. If you're interested in learning about Japan from locals, about language, art, and culture, go to brandonchin.net slash community. Uh, if you just want to read a free novel of mine, go to brandonchin.net. I write books. This is my latest novel, African Blockchain. Look for it soon on Amazon. And uh, da, 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 that's about it. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.